there's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar and Jonathan Harrison here as always. And Jonathan, another week of complete madness in the NFL. And I I don't even want to have some little banter to begin because we have to just start with the craziest thing that happened in the NFL this week. In fact, it has to be one of the craziest things to ever happen in the history of this mad league which is Jim Ursay firing a good coach, Frank Reich, a quality NFL coach, and hiring a former player with no experience whatsoever outside of being on ESPN. Uh, even the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Urban Meyer thinks this is crazy. So let's, <laughs> just, let's just start out with that. Uh, first of all, why don't you get – I got a fun angle to it, but what do you think? What do you think uh, about this insane thing? It's it's one of the most harebrained ideas I have ever heard in the NFL or in sports happening. Besides, uh, to bring in a soccer reference, Manchester United fired their coach a couple years ago and brought in an interim manager who ended up getting the job after three weeks because his team performed well. And it's just like, okay, why are we making these quick jump moves to do this? And this just feels like such a quick move and just a... Uh, an off-the-cuff move by Jim Irsay, which I guess we all shouldn't be surprised about, but it just does not feel like this is a good idea from any aspect. I think Frank Reich was doing a decent enough job. It's just he had just bad roster management from the top down, so he was given a crap position, and he did the best he could with it. And I, I'm, I'm not a fan of getting rid of Frank Reich, and then I'm not a fan of giving the job to a guy who's never done coaching before, who is TV analyst for the past couple of years. So it just it doesn't seem right. But I guess we'll see how it goes. I mean, even coaches who were great coaches like John Gruden or Joe Gibbs, who were out of football for a little while, lost enough touch to have a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're talking about a guy who has not been in the league for quite a while. I don't care how much tape you watch. And not only that, how is anyone supposed to take you seriously? I know you had a great NFL career, but are you supposed to tell other coaches what to do? I mean, they have really, really super experienced coaches on this staff that could have easily been handed this job. And instead, they just go completely outside of the building to someone who has never coached anything he's not even coached a position before the highest rank that adam schefter could come up with for the guy was that he coached high school football like which uh, last time i checked is not anywhere close to the nfl so that all of a sudden went from a stable looking franchise with someone like frank reich who you can't find a more class individual than Frank Reich, whether you ask people from his former teams or the people that he's coached in Indianapolis. I mean, look at the quarterbacks that he's gone through there, Jacoby Brissett, old Phillip Rivers, and then they saddle him with a completely broken Matt Ryan. And then he's got to bench him for Sam Ellinger, like a guy who was a seventh round draft pick that can't play at all. Totally, totally unfair 
Frank Reich will be a head coach again in this league for a much better franchise yeah. than one run by a complete kook like Jim Ursay. And here's what it tells you that Jim Ursay has a Super Bowl ring because of Peyton Manning. And yeah. Jim Ursay got another AFC championship weekend appearance out of Andrew Luck because quarterbacks will just paint over absolutely anything, including the sheer insanity. And like you said, let's not let Chris Ballard off the hook here for building a roster around linebackers and guards. I mean, if you draft the wrong positions and pay the wrong positions and make bad decisions at quarterback over and over and draft running backs and ignore largely the receiver position outside of Michael Pittman, I mean, you bleep around and find out and they certainly found out this year and good for frank reich he gets to go work for someone maybe sane next year uh but here's my here's my angle on this because i think everybody agrees this is nuts also think of every single hard-working black coach where it's already hard enough to get jobs they're gonna be like come on man like okay you're giving more you know experience like kevin o'connell all right he's qualified he all right okay but now you're just giving it to people who aren't even remotely qualified. And yeah. guess what? The recent record of non-qualified head coaches, Joe Judge, Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, Cliff Kingsbury. How's this working for you, mm-hmm. NFL? So stupid teams stay stupid. But here's my question. All right. I just picked random five teams. If you were going to hire a former player just because you thought they were cool – from these play, from these teams, I want to know who it is. So you want me to go? One, I'll go one at a time, one yeah. team at a time. Yep. How about the Chicago Bears? What cool former player are you hiring? Just at total random to be your head coach? I'm going Olin Krutz just so I can give him better pay than the fifteen dollars an hour he was offered the last time Chicago tried to hire him to do a coaching role. I've interviewed Olin Krutz before. That man is intense. Oh yeah. Intense. If you want anybody to be intense to turn that organization and that football team around Olin Krutz is your guy former offensive lineman let him go in there offer him actually decent pay you know going back to the $15 an hour thing and you know rehab or bring rehab that fr- that uh, relationship that you kind of ruined in the past get him in there and uh, let him turn that thing around Olin Krutz is a great pull though I mean a, a guy who was so good for them for so long mm-hmm. uh, great player I'm gonna go Marty Booker Ooh, I mean, if you're a receiver with Chicago in the 90s, 2000s, I mean, you just got the short end of the stick, man. You got nobody to throw <laughs> yes. you the football. And you know what? Marty Booker was a really good player. So he's my head coach. I liked him a lot. I thought that if he played for a good team, he would have been a 90-catch guy year in and year out, and he was that talented, but he got screwed over. Tampa Bay Bucks. what random player are you making your head coach? You know, Tom Brady recently said he wanted to do more running because he said that's the one area the team hasn't done enough. Why not bring in a guy I mentioned last week, I think it was on Hot Routes, Mike Allstott. Who's going to tell that guy, no, we can't run? Let the one of the better fullbacks of the 90s and 2000s come in and institute a running game in Tampa Bay. Give me Mike Allstott. Give me the neck roll. Give me him just bowling over everybody. Okay, I went with another guy from the same backfield, Warwick okay. Dunn. Ooh, now, here's ooh. the thing. So I, I had a little thought process into some of these and no thought <laughs> process into others, Okay. <laughs> So Warwick Dunn, if you look at his Wikipedia, Warwick Dunn has had an incredibly difficult life Mm -hmm. and turned it into superstardom in the NFL and then has done nothing with his riches but help people build houses for people. I mean, it's really, really incredible, uh, the person that Warwick Dunn is. So you know what that 
organization needs. It needs some class. It needs some character for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's put Warwick Dunn in charge. And look, Tom Brady's in charge anyway. So Warwick Dunn just has to, you know, help them run the ball a little bit. Same with Mike Allstott. Maybe co-head coaches. You can't tell me it's crazy putting a former center in charge. Co-head coaches, not nuts. Uh, random player to coach the Seattle Seahawks. Marshawn Lynch. Do I need to say more other than just Marshawn Lynch? Let me see what he can do as a head coach. He is one of the best personalities in NFL media. Put him as a head coach of a pro football franchise and see what happens. You know what people have told me who have played with Marshawn Lynch? They have said Marshawn Lynch is a actually very smart person. That doesn't that, surprise me. He it feels like he is because he's got he's he's got that sense of humor and that takes timing. You have to know timing and everything. You have to know people and how to do that. And it feels like he he just he's the silent but incredibly smart type. And he really understands football. Like he's obviously aloof in his personality, oh, but. Yeah. How about Marshawn Lynch turning his aloofness into a lot of uh, money from ads and stuff, his relationship mm-hmm. with Skittles and everything else? Like, yeah, kind of aloof like a fox, Marshawn Lynch. But that would <laughs> the press conferences would oh, be either absolutely wild or he would just keep saying that he didn't want to get fined. Uh, I went with another running back from the Seattle Seahawks because I just – I don't know anything about this guy personally, but uh, – one of the most underrated players of the era because Seahawks, Chris Warren, a great look for a running back. And at very least, if your team is going to stink because you have a former player coaching it and there's no way they'll <laughs> succeed, then why not have someone who can help the players dress cool, wear cool helmets, have a cool – I think he had like one of those mini neck rolls, if I'm not mistaken. Chris Warren, did he wear number 42? Like a cool-looking kind of – aesthetic for a running back his pads always looked like they were kind of flopping around I thought he was a great player who never really got his due if I'm not mistaken it was Warren Moon and Chris Warren on that team in like 96 whatever after he left 97 after he left Minnesota I mean that's come on that's awesome uh how about uh the Phoenix Cardinals slash Arizona Cardinals I'm going Jake Plummer but only if he brings the mushroom farming with him if there's anybody who could like get the most out of Kyler Murray from a former quarterback standpoint, if you're not taking Kurt Warner in this situation as a former player head coach, give me Jake Plummer, who succeeded-ish in two different locations, and you know he's got a different lifestyle now than he did when he was a player. Let me see what he can do with Kyler Murray at that quarterback position in Arizona. Okay, so I, I that's a that's a good angle. I just picked. I just thought that that team needed some grit. That needed some sandpaper because it's just because Cliff Kingsbury is just too pretty. So I went with (laughs) Clyde Simmons. Clyde Clyde Simmons was one of those violent players that I've ever seen in my life. I just that that was the only thing I was thinking. This team needs more grit. Go with Clyde Simmons. And if you want grit, Anquan Bolden's a good one. That 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 is a good one. Can you tell me that Clyde Simmons couldn't come up with a better offense, though? I'm just saying, like, a random defensive lineman from the 90s could do just as good. I saw that Arizona has, like, the DVOA worst in the NFL offense over the last, like, six weeks. So, great job, Cliff. Your hair looks great. Um, All right, Kansas City Chiefs. What random player is coaching the Chiefs? He wasn't there for very long. I'm going to give it to Jared Allen because I want to see the mullet. 
I want to see him riding in on a horse like he did a couple weeks ago for the Vikings Ring of Honor ceremony. And I want to see Jared Allen as a head coach in the National Football League just because he was one of the wildest players on the football field. And I want to see him in control of that offense and that defense as well. Okay, yeah, that would be pretty wild. I mean, you're, you win for entertainment value here. Oh, yeah. Oh, you heavily weighed that. Uh, after watching what happened against the Tennessee Titans, I went with Will Shields. Yeah. Will Shields has got to show up and uh, get that offensive line going for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs because it was not impressive against Tennessee the other night. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was scrambling all over the place. They need they need some offensive line play. So uh, so a mixture. It's actually a fun party game with all your football fan loving friends. Who would you randomly name as a head coach? Uh, Jim Ursay, man, it wasn't that long ago that he walked out and told everybody bleep Dan Snyder, and they were like the hero we need. And they're like, oh wait, he's kind of just like Dan Snyder, except for maybe yeah. less of a scumbag. I like how his his one of one of his reasons for wanting a guy who had no coaching experience was that he didn't want someone who was afraid and that just leaned on analytics because they were afraid of like that those don't correlate at all like that's that's a terrible argument also Jeff Saturday is saying he's auditioning for 31 other jobs as well uh, I don't think 31 jobs are opening it up there champ there's some of them that are pretty locked in at this point yeah, I also think that no one is hiring you after this yeah, nonsense. I mean, actually, like for Jeff Saturday, for his purposes, taking this job is kind of embarrassing. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I understand that you don't get a chance that often to be an NFL head coach. But when you ju- when you take a job and jump the line like that, you are guaranteeing yourself failure. It would be shocking if he succeeded in any way. And you've mm-hmm. got to know what that means. Like You have to know what this says to everybody else. I don't understand it from his perspective for taking this job. He's either he cannot think he's qualified. I mean, that's like, that would be like this. It's not that far away from saying to someone like me, hey, go call the plays. Like, could I look at the plays and pick them? Like, <laughs> yes, but I would I would never say yes. I'm not yeah. qualified to do that. Like, I would never accept maybe in the preseason. I would never accept in the regular season the responsibility and jump the line to be a play caller in the NFL because I am not qualified and have no idea what I'm doing. So good luck to Jeff Saturday. He was a really cool player and probably like a guy that, you know, when when indie fans like on Parks and Rec or something, they yeah. if they're talking about their favorite players, like maybe Jeff Saturday comes up. Not a guy who should coach your team. Um, on to the next question. So here's a crazy stat for you. Totally kooky number. The Jaguars have a plus 21 point differential and the Titans are minus nine. Yet Tennessee is two and a half games ahead of them. What is the biggest change in the standings that you think we will see between now and the end of the season? And by the way, we have only reached the midpoint of this pure <laughs> insanity. So uh, who, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference of any uh, division? I think the Giants are going to drop off. They, If we're going by the point differentials that we pointed out to start this question, they've only got a plus point, plus six point differential at this point. They still have trips to Dallas, Minnesota, and Philadelphia still left on their schedule. Uh, they've got two games against Philadelphia, one against Dallas, two against Washington, and the Vikings just saw how tough Washington are as a team. Yes, they're four and five, but they still play tough. Uh, Daniel Jones somehow only has six touchdown passes this season. How is that possible for a team that's six and two? I get that they're running Saquon Barkley a lot, but running backs don't hold up. Saquon Barkley hasn't held up for an entire season yet. So that's going to drop off at some point. 
They've got the 24th graded offense and 30th graded defense, according to PFF. So clearly that that uh, the 6-2 the record at this point seems like it's kind of a house of cards waiting to just fall at this point. They've gotten by because of wins against Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay, and Jacksonville. And all those teams are kind of ripe for the picking, especially when New York played them. So that feels like a team that, yes, they're only in third place in the NFC, NFC East right now. But that feels like a team that could drop from 6-2 and two to seeing their record go to a losing record pretty quickly. I think that is fair. I am trying to decide if I want to pick either Chicago or Detroit. Not to close the gap. They're way too far behind. Yeah. But to make things interesting in the NFC. Because, I mean, Chicago is only one game back of Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, and of San Francisco. Well, they're three and six and San Francisco is four and four. So San Francisco, one loss away from being one game, like one and a half games. So much can change in the half of a season. I think San Francisco probably remains good. I looked at Seattle's schedule. They are not going anywhere. Their schedule is very easy. Chicago has a lot of tough games coming. But I do think Detroit, that just got a kind of a confidence builder win, they lost close games, lost close to Minnesota. I think they had another really close loss early in the season. Like, I think they're better than their horrendous, horrendous record. So I'm going to say – I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think Detroit could end up second and Green Bay could just keep losing and losing and losing and fall completely apart. Other than that, I think this is hard. There are some numbers with Las Vegas's offense that would suggest they can be better, but I don't think that Kansas City or the Chargers are going anywhere. I, I no. think they're going to stay there. And the team that I base the question on, Jacksonville – I, how about this for a crazy take? Jacksonville still finds a way to win the division because That's Trevor awesome. Lawrence is starting to, to get some momentum. And I know he has, and then he's fallen off and he has, and he's fallen off. But Tennessee, if Ryan Tannehill can't play, yeah. holy cow. Like Malik Willis was a guy who in year three, maybe you, you play him in games. He is not ready to play right now. He completed five <laughs> passes the other night. He refused <laughs> to throw the football and they didn't know how to use him. Uh, so they can't get everywhere with just offense. And if Ryan Tannehill tries to push it back uh, or come back too soon, then he's not the type of quarterback that can be playing at 75%. So I, I think that Tennessee could be, despite all the talent on that defense, uh, a team ripe for a fall off and Jacksonville could potentially get hot. But aside from that, I mean, anything can happen. Doesn't it kind of feel like the standings are set? I mean, Buffalo, depending on Josh Allen's status, that's an obvious one. If Josh Allen can't play, Miami could continue to go on a run. They have just been phenomenal every time Tua has been in there. So that could change too. Like they're in third place right now. They could jolt to the top of the standings if Josh Allen uh, is hurt. And then Buffalo would be talking about trying to survive. This is how how good the AFC is. If Buffalo were to lose Josh Allen, and we don't know at this moment, if they were to lose Josh Allen for multiple weeks, You have the New England Patriots nipping on their heels. You have the Cincinnati Bengals nipping on their heels. Like there are other teams that are trying to chase you down. And if you don't win that division, I mean, you're, you're really fighting for a spot to just be in the playoffs. That's how crazy things can go. And and I'm kind of, I'm buying Miami, not fully buying the jets though, uh, with their quarterback play. But I mean, their win against Buffalo is super impressive though. Yeah. Especially with the rest of the AFC East, you think, that if Josh Allen's gone for a couple weeks, uh, 
everybody in that division has a winning record. That's in, that's in, that's crazy. At this point in the season, I know we're halfway through, but that's still insane that everybody in that division has a winning record, especially New England with how how weird of a show it's been there with with no true offensive coordinator. They're getting by somehow. Bill Belichick continues to show that he's possibly the greatest football coach of all time just by stringing wins together there. And yeah, if they fall off even a little bit, they are in serious trouble trying to climb back in a race that features a lot of teams that are getting back into the swing of things. Uh, Cincinnati, as you, as you said, they are, they seem like they're starting to get things together. Yes, they got some injuries to deal with, but it seems like they could get things back together. Uh, the AFC South is so weird. Jacksonville, I think, as you said, I, I totally agree with you that they could come back and find a way to win that conference because Tennessee doesn't seem like they're that good of a team without Ryan Tannehill. And even with him, they don't seem like they're that great because they hadn't played well to start the season hence why they have a negative nine point differential and then the afc west is still so difficult with the teams they have at the top and in the middle as well so yeah if buffalo falls off even a little bit it's going to be a fight for them to get into the playoffs uh a quick note on new england greg bedard has been doing great work about how bad the matt patricia offense is and i Mm -hmm. just i i mean i can't believe they're five and four despite it but i also of all the praise that Bill Belichick does deserve, this might be his worst decision ever yeah. to put Matt, because it is a season where they, they're playing against a very tough division. They could possibly still make the playoffs second year of a rookie quarterback contract. And you put them in the hands of a guy who completely tanked the franchise and wasn't even good as your defensive yeah. coach. The last time he was on that side of the ball was never an offensive coach. It's just insane. Like it's, it's not quite Jeff Saturday because the guy is actually a football coach. <laughs> right. But it's, it's, he's getting away with it because he's Belichick. Like this should be a story every single day nationally, and nobody seems to want to touch it because it's Belichick and because they have a winning record. But they should be talking about this all the time. Like this, Greg Bedard has done great work on how it's not really Mac Jones. It's really that the offense is just nuts. And Mac Jones has kind of made his feelings um, public a little bit. If you're Belichick, though, like, are you just going to keep doubling down on this? Are you going to keep doing this to next year? I mean, this is just. I think that's the most. I think that's the most egregious part of it is that you're in the rookie contract, the rookie QB contract. And we've all talked so much about how that's so valuable to a team that you have a rookie quarterback who excels on that contract. It allows you to spend a ton of money on the rest of the roster to build up around them. And Bill Belichick is like, nah, let's go with no offensive coordinator. Let's go with these two joke shows and see if we can get by. Like that just, that screams that you're not understanding what's going on right now, but he's getting by and I don't understand how, but yeah, that's, I think for me, that's the most egregious part that you're wasting the rookie, the rookie quarterback contract with terrible offensive coordinators. Yep, and uh, they should be able to restock next year based on their salary cap situation. But again, it's not going to matter if Matt Patricia continues to coach. To me, he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL over the last two decades with what he did in Detroit. Uh, Completely shredded that franchise. So uh, let's check in on the Green Bay Packers. Oh, my God. The Green Bay Packers are 3-6. and Aaron Rodgers is throwing interceptions at the goal line when targeting his offensive tackle. (laughs) What? That sounds like a Mad Lib, but that is actually a true sentence. Uh, Rodgers is is now officially washed. It's over. (laughs) It was not only uh, only his receivers. I saw some good film breakdowns of people who were like, yeah, folks, it was not just his receivers. The dude is dusted. You're calling this again? 
it was a joke before. It was like tongue in cheek before. <laughs> in 2018, Fair. like his numbers were down a little, and you're like washed, but this is washed. I mean, yeah. this is like super washed. Uh, it's not all just the wide receivers or the offensive line. How is it going to look in Title Town over the next three years? That's my question, Jonathan. Not good, Bob. That's uh, we'll, we'll start there. Just not good. I mean, the defense is showing warts, and that was supposed to be one of their strengths this season. If the offense couldn't pick up where it left off last season for the last two seasons without Devontae Adams, uh, the defense was supposed to pick things up, and they haven't done it this season. They already don't go out on the market and bring in free agents, so they're going to rely on drafting and developing, which they haven't done well over the recent couple past couple years and they haven't even they haven't even drafted the right positions they they knew everyone including Aaron Rodgers and all of his estranged relationships knew that he needed a wide receiver help and they have failed over and over again to go out in the first round and get one they've gotten a quarterback they've gotten defensive players in the first round when they needed wide receiver help and only this last season did they trade up in the second round with the minnesota vikings and get a division one double a wide receiver who everyone knew was raw and needed development and they just threw him to aaron Rodgers, saying all right here's your number one guy good luck like that it just screams of a franchise that doesn't know how to help out their quarterback when he's when he's in need of it. And the next three years will solely rely on how much Matt LaFleur has been able to develop Jordan Love. And from what we've seen throughout his career so far, I don't think there's a lot there to be excited about, no matter what some of the defensive players or the rest of the players in Green Bay are saying about Jordan Love being a real quarterback. I don't think that he's the guy there to be the next generational quarterback for a Green Bay franchise that has had 30 years of it. Yeah, I have no idea what to think of Jordan Love. He played one game. Uh, I do think that developing quarterbacks over mm-hmm. a couple years as a backup is not a bad thing, but that doesn't also guarantee any success. Other quarterbacks who have sat have done nothing, so I, I don't know. And I think they really don't know either. I mean, you can't base – I think back in the day you could base a lot on preseason because yeah. teams would play their starters and their second teamers. Now when play, teams are only playing guys who are getting cut – like that's that's just a XFL game. Like it's just not an NFL mm-hmm. experience uh, to say, oh well, this guy who's a second round dra- or first round draft pick, he played pretty well in the preseason. It's just it doesn't tell you anything. Uh, whereas you know maybe even ten years ago, it might have actually said something about that player. Yeah, I think that uh, is peril the right word. The franchise is in complete peril at this moment because yeah. if Aaron Rodgers does not retire and he does not have to. No one is trading for him. His contract is a horror show and he's playing horrendous football and he's a jerk. I mean, yeah, the way that he's, the way that he's acted this year, he should be ashamed. He should just be ashamed. I mean, it's just, it is a pathetic end to an unbelievable career, Yeah, but th- the lasting memory and I, and all things fade over time and everything else. But the lasting memory, at least for a couple of years, about his end is just going to be this guy being miserable, hating everyone, blaming everyone else, just being a nightmare to be around and uh, not helping anybody. I mean, it just doesn't seem like he has done anything to help any of those receivers be better. All he does is call them out in training camp, call them out during the season. Like, good for you, man. What a great way to go out, like class act. Yeah, that the quote of we should start cutting some playing time from the guys who aren't playing well or keep making mistakes, 
Uh, Aaron, you just threw three interceptions. I get one of them doinked off your offensive lineman's helmet, but still, like, you still threw three interceptions against the Detroit Lions who don't even have that great of a defense. Uh, when do, when do we start cutting your playing time there, champ? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really is sad and embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And here's the, the even sort of more sad part is for the longest time, articles would come out about Aaron Rodgers and his personality and everything else. Every time anything went wrong and it's sort of typical, it's like, Oh, here come the vultures circling, yeah. when, you know? Right. And I always rolled my eyes at that. Like, look, you know, not everybody's going to like the superstar quarterback, but boy, show us who you are when things get tough, right? Like, man, it just, it, it's, it's, it's a, a shame. I mean, there are certain fan bases that probably don't find it to be a shame. <laughs> Many of them are listening to this show with our yeah. uh, Viking connections here. But I think that when you see an all-time great quarterback, and this goes for Brady too, that looks like they just hate playing football yeah. and dislike everyone around them, it's not fun. And they're on national TV all the time because they have Aaron Rodgers or it's Tom Brady. And it is not an enjoyable experience to watch either one of those guys. I think that they are in big trouble because if he comes back and it's more of this so he can make the money, oh my gosh. Like they're just they're just gonna be sunk. They're kind of gonna be where Atlanta was with Matt Ryan the last couple of years, where they couldn't get rid of him and he was clearly washed up, and then finally some dope took the bait, essentially, right? <laughs> I mean, like really, they knew it. They knew it. They had to be laughing at all the articles this offseason. Oh, I watched the tape. Matt Ryan looks like he's going to take the Colts to the next level. Like, uh, no. No, yeah. he has no arm left, and that's a problem. And whatever Aaron Rodgers has been doing to his body with all these different cleanses and things can't be good. Can't be no. good. And he's old. That's another part of it, too. Yeah, it doesn't so, help. Uh, I mean, it, it's all bad. I mean, the Colts just hired, as we just talked about, Jeff Saturday as their coach. Who's to say they don't say, you know what? Matt Ryan didn't work out, but Phillip Rivers did. Why not let's go get Aaron Rodgers, who clearly wants out of Green Bay. Maybe the indoors will help him a little bit. Maybe a new conference will help him. Maybe going to the tougher conference will help him. I mean, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan's got to retire, right? Like, this has to oh, be Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For Matt he's Ryan. Gotta, I mean, he's got to say this is done. Oh, yeah. The best thing that Aaron Rodgers could do would just be to walk away. Yep. And then everyone could sort of blame it on the supporting cast and say like, oh, well, management didn't give him enough. And there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a ton of truth to that. And up until now, I had always kind of taken his side. Like, I think he's right. I, why draft a second round running back? Are you on drugs like your quarterback <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers? Like, I mean, this the idea that ground and pound with A.J. Dillon was going to help Aaron Rodgers is just absurd. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's a, a sad end for both of them and it's kind of gone that way for a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger went out looking horrible. Uh, you know, a couple guys like Drew Brees and, and John Elway, a couple of the legends have gone out looking good, but it, yeah, even Peyton, like he gets to win a Super Bowl, but looked like he couldn't play anymore. At least he didn't act like he hated football. Yes, that's true. That's the part that's, that's so frustrating to watch is that we know he has the skills. We know he's one of the more one of the probably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game and it just feels like he hates it and going back to the Tom Brady part of this conversation is that that guy did so much to rehab his 
uh, his perception to the outside world because for the longest time as the temp or as the New England quarterback, everybody hated him. But then as soon as he got away from New England, as soon as he got away from Bill Belichick, all of a sudden people started realizing, oh, this personality is kind of funny. And then this year with the whole Miami thing coming back in the or coming back after retirement, and then everything that's gone on off the field, and then just not looking like he enjoys playing football, throwing temper tantrums on the sideline. It just like, okay, this is why everybody hated you. And now you're doing it again. Uh, and I, so I guess I just ranted about Rogers and didn't say what I think their next three years are going to be. <laughs> I, I question whether he'll actually retire. I think that it's very possible he will come back and take the money and that they will have a very similar season, maybe a little bit better because but if, but if you're a free agent wide receiver, we just assume that any team can sign any free agent. They have a choice in the matter. If mm-hmm. if you're Tommy free agent and you have five offers, explain to me why you'd want to play with Aaron Rodgers at this point. But maybe they develop, maybe they get some linemen that are a little better, and it's still the same stuff if he comes back. If they don't, then I have no idea with Jordan Love, but I think they have a ton of roster work to do. Yeah. Um, to, to rebuild what's around that team and maybe some coaching issues on the defensive side because they have a lot of talent and they have not gotten a lot out of it. But also if your offense isn't moving the ball, your defense always looks worse. Right. Uh, anyway, Mel Kuyper has three quarterbacks in his top five in the big board. It is the year of the quarterback and none of them are Anthony Richardson, which I just want people to keep an eye on Anthony Richardson. I feel like what happened with Anthony Richardson was he debuted and he looked great. And then he had like two or three bad games and people went like, oh, no, I guess he's not a big prospect then. But you haven't been watching. He played extremely well against Georgia when he got hurt in the game and then crushed Texas A&M. This guy can do everything. He's a great athlete, a huge arm like Cam Newton reincarnated. Uh, Josh Allen vibes with the way that he runs the football. I mean, it's really, really impressive. So Mel Kuyper doesn't have him that high, but I would – throw his name in there with CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Bryce Young. Here's what I want to know for those three. So let's just say those three, Will Levis, Bryce Young, and CJ Stroud. I want you to pick out of the top 10 teams what the best situation for those three to go to situations that are uh, in the draft here. And it's funny when you look at it that right now the Philadelphia Eagles would have the sixth draft pick in the league. You can't pick Philly because it would be the best situation, but he couldn't play. So it has to be a situation where there's a path to uh, your three quarterbacks playing. I think for me, for C.J. Stroud, from reading Mel Kuyper's analysis of him, it seems like he's the one who will probably need a little bit more time than the other guys to develop to the NFL skill level of just reading offenses, making his second read and getting to the second read. I want to see him go to Seattle because they've got Geno Smith there playing well this season. Who says they're not going to bring him back? Let him let CJ Stroud develop under under that tutelage for a little bit and let him sit behind Geno Smith. See if it goes well in a second year for Geno Smith. And if it doesn't, look, you have this rookie quarterback who you can bring in at some point. But it gives them the opportunity to let CJ Stroud sit and develop for a little bit behind Geno Smith if they can bring him back. You know, uh, Seattle is an interesting situation with Geno because if he ends up third in the MVP voting and they draft a quarterback, everyone's going to be like, what? Right. But hilariously, they have Denver's pick and Denver is garbage. And so right now they would be picking 11th. I mean, it's just that's just crazy. Uh, So they would be a trade up away from potentially getting the first quarterback on the board, which could be Stroud, could be Bryce Young. 
I mean, Houston has to take a quarterback. I don't have Houston as a good situation. No. Houston and Carolina probably have to take quarterbacks, uh, but there's a lot of teams within striking distance or even within trade-up distance of those teams if they feel like they are years away. So it is not a guarantee. Also not a guarantee that only three go in the top ten. It could be four or five. So anyway, uh, for C.J. Stroud, I mean, I see, I don't know enough about each quarterback's details to really say. So I'm just going to give you my top three, and then you can give me your other two. I think the best situations to go to, Pittsburgh is number one. Pittsburgh, just do it. Don't lock yourself into Kenny Pickett. I get it. And I appreciate it. I think it was a good idea to draft Kenny Pickett. But they have George Pickens. They have Deontay Johnson. And they have a nice group there. They could rebuild the offensive line. There's still a lot of good defensive players on that team. It's a very well-coached team. I think they need to change offensive coordinators. But they have one of the best head coaches and one of the most stable franchises in the league. Pittsburgh with a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud would be very good. I am hesitant to say this next one, but I kind of believe in it. Detroit. I mean, they've got Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. They've been loading up their receivers a little bit here. Jamison Williams is going to start playing soon. They've been loading up on offensive line. I think they have a decent offensive coordinator. Put a rookie quarterback into that, f- sit him for a year behind Jared Goff, play it out with Goff for one more year, and then go. I think that that is a good situation. And the other ones are so weird because it's like, is Arizona going to trade Kyler Murray? And I mean, like, they just really, signed him to a giant contract. But it's just going so badly. Yeah. And like, are they, because we know this, these owners are crazy. Like, are they going to double down with Steve Kime and with Cliff Kingsbury and blame Kyler? Because the whole video game thing seems like they might want to blame Kyler. Yeah. So would they trade? And the other one is Vegas. I don't think Vegas is a good situation because their head coach is bad at this. Yeah. Josh McDaniels is bad at this. And Devontae Adams kind of said it out loud the other day. <laughs> Josh McDaniels is a good offensive coordinator and mm-hmm. a bad head coach. I don't know if that's a great situation unless they fire him, but they probably gave him a lot of money. So I don't know about that. It's hard, man. It's hard. But I think Detroit, I don't want to say Houston, but Houston has two of the top 13 picks right now. They have Cleveland's pick. There is a part of me that wants to say as much of a clown show as Houston is, that, that that wouldn't be that terrible. Carolina might be. I mean, Carolina's really stacking draft picks. I think I'll say, I think I will say Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Detroit are all decent situations for these quarterbacks. See, when I read this question, I kind of misread. I forgot to read the potential top 10 picks part, and I just went with uh, top three locations for these guys just in general. And so for Will Levis... Uh, when I was reading Mel Kuyper's uh, write-up on him, it said best comparison was Matthew Stafford. I'm like, do I really want to saddle Detroit with another Matthew Stafford again? So I decided against it, and I chose Atlanta. I know they're the 15th pick at this moment in time, but if you're looking for a good destination, again, you can sit him behind Marcus Mariota for another year if you want to keep Mariota, who's done well there. I mean, they could win the division because the NFC South is just garbage right now, so they'd be out of, it seems like, the quarterback race. But if you're looking at top 10 picks, uh, yeah, the Vegas one had me scared because Josh McDaniels just isn't good, as you mentioned. It just hasn't gone well. You thought that was a that was a match made in heaven. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, uh, Darren Waller, they've got some of these guys around there to build a really dynamic offense with Josh McDaniels as the head coach, but it is just, it's so bad. I can't believe they're 2-6 and six with the rest of the roster that they have there. That is shocking to see. So if they get rid of Josh McDaniels, which is entirely possible... 
does that situation instantly become better? I think it might. Yes. I mean, you you get rid of the guy who brought you to two and six, and that's got to clear some things up. But then if you get rid of Josh McDaniels, how much do you blame Derek Carr? And I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Derek Carr's contract is very easy to get out of after this year. Would they keep Derek Carr as well, or would they get rid of him and just go full house cleaning there? And what would that say to Devontae Adams? But if you can bring in a top one of the top three quarterbacks, I think Devontae Adams wouldn't mind too much. Um, so then that was one of them, and I think Bryce Young to Detroit is a really good mix. Uh, Detroit feels like they're a roster that just needs a quarterback to plug into, and they can just, just fire on all cylinders. And what better quarterback to plug in and say, hey, you're going to take this from day one. I know you're a rookie, but you're going to take this thing from day one. Then the guy who's been playing at Bama for the past three, for the past couple of years and doing well at it. You know, uh, if we stretch it outside the top 10, Atlanta is a great choice. I, I think that's a very, very smart choice for a team that could potentially trade up. So you yeah. got the draft capital from the Matt Ryan trade. It's not a ton, but like it's usable. You look at Drake London, Kyle Pitts, an offensive head coach. I don't know how much longer Cordero Patterson will be a great player, but they've got weapons and they've built an offensive line. I mean, that that actually is a great team to start offering teams at the top. Hey, can we get up and can we get one of these yeah. players? And maybe a team like Pittsburgh says, we're going to stick with Kenny Pickett for another year or two and see what happens uh, because you kind of went all in on that pick. Or Philadelphia. Heck, Philadelphia could drop back down and – Right. I mean, they could yeah. drop back down in the draft as they've done many times, pick up more draft capital to put around Jalen Hurts and let a team like Atlanta move up. So, yeah, I mean, this it will become a very interesting storyline as we go forward. All these quarterbacks. Um, so last thing. And uh, I don't we don't have to get deep into this because we've uh, talked for too long uh, about especially about like Aaron Rodgers being awful. Not a terrible subject to talk about, but um, <laughs> I just I just want to say this. Justin Fields, I am impressed. That's it. That's the take. Yeah. I am impressed. Justin Fields looked like he was just going to be a bust. And, you know, I was doing some research on Geno Smith, and one of the things I landed on was that you really don't know through the first two years of statistics for quarterbacks. Eli Manning was horrible. Matthew Stafford was horrible. Like there's a number of guys who for two years, Josh Allen was really bad. And then they, they hit their stride and Justin Fields looks like something clicked there for him that he realized he's fast, yeah. he's stupid fast. Yep. And he just started running away from people and it started against Minnesota where he's just like, whoop. And then he started doing it all the time and he can't be caught. And I, I tweeted this the other day. And of course, some people are like, Ugh. but like, if he wants to be Lamar, he could be Lamar. He could be Lamar. He is as athletic. He is as fast. He's as explosive. I don't know if in space, it's the same thing, like the jukiness and so forth. But the speed is four, four speed and his arm is good. And like, they've realized that underneath stuff like he can complete that stuff if you kind of set it up for him it doesn't just because a guy has a big arm doesn't mean you have to throw it down the field all the time i i really like what i see on a really bad situation over the last couple weeks now could it be an anomaly sure but running quarterbacks play in 2022 and that it's not really a hot route it's just it's just a take and like a maybe i jumped the gun sorry for jumping the gun I think it was fair to jump the gun. My gosh, it looked so bad in those first couple of weeks. It looked so bad, but uh, it probably wasn't. It was probably too quick to uh, declare it on Justin Fields. 
So he has looked really, really good and could be that guy. Again, rookie quarterback contract, and they've got a great cap situation for next year. Keep your uh, binoculars focused on the Bears. <laughs> yeah, I think I think everybody jumping on that bandwagon of kind of trying to down him, and I know we did it a couple weeks ago on Hot Routes, of trying to down Justin Fields. I think they're hopping very quickly off of that bandwagon and getting on the one that's going on the tracks to to Justin Fields town because he is he has played remarkably well over the past couple weeks and I, yeah I'm excited to see even if, even though I do not root for the Bears and hope they do not do well because the Vikings doing well is great for me I would like to see him do well because developing developing a quarterback is fun to see and giving him time and you know he had the bad situation the first year with their head coach they got rid of him and they brought in new head coach they brought in a whole new front office there and obviously they were trying to work out to see if he was going to be the guy in the past couple weeks. He's absolutely shown that, yeah, you should definitely keep me around and build around me. Hop on the tracks to Justin Fields town. town. Yeah. Is what you said. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where I was going there and just ended up. Justin Fields dot, dot, dot town. <laughs> well said. Well said. Poetic. In fact, yeah. Uh, Jonathan, great stuff as always. It's always fun to uh, do our hot routes here, even if it's only like 4.3 hot routes today <laughs> as opposed to five, but always a, a good time. And we will be back at it next week. So thank you all for listening.